What will your future look like? The job you do today could be different than the jobs of tomorrow. Some see this as a challenge. At UCF, we see opportunity. A chance for you to grow your knowledge and strengthen your skills from anywhere life might take you. With in-demand degree programs and resources for your success, UCF Online can help you prepare for the future and all the possibilities that come with it. From the University of Central Florida Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Tom Cavanaugh. And I'm Kelvin Thompson. And you're listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hello, Kelvin. Hey, Tom. How are you? And I mean that uh, sincerely. How are you? Because I, I had, I saw that uh, social media post that you posted recently, and it worried me a little bit about you. <laughs> that was a bit of fun. Um, okay. Yeah, I made myself a little meme of, uh, of uh, uh, how perhaps I may be deteriorating through self isolation. Um, but uh, I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> it scared me a little bit. You look kind of like the, the Unabomber or that something. That was what I was going for. Yeah. I even made a reference to Manifesto in the caption. I yeah, think. I saw yeah. that. And I'm like, that's not really, oh, that is, I think that is Tom. Oh, no. Yes. That's scary. Although, you know, how much of a Unabomber can you be wearing your canvas hoodie? So <laughs> more, more than you would think. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> more than you would yeah, think. Yeah, I did get it up there in the mountains. There you go. That's it. Uh, I guess uh, we should say, because we haven't done this in a while, for those newer to the podcast, this is a twice-monthly collegial conversation about online education conducted over a shared cup of coffee. Uh, Of course, we should say we do usually share the cup of coffee because we're usually sitting across from each other in our tiny, slightly too warm audio booth at UCF, but... (laughs) Currently, as we record this, we continue to be working remotely due to the COVID-19 coronavirus, and we're recording from our individual locations, so we have our individual cups of coffee, but we'll still share the conversation. That is the plan for anybody that might be new to the podcast. Welcome. And, welcome. And uh, grab a cup and uh, pull up a virtual chair. <laughs> Take a listen, like all the rest of us are virtual. Although I've been kind of virtual standing desking myself, trying to be a little, you know, less deep vein thrombosis and a little bit more <laughs> health, you know. Yeah, good for you. I, I am not. I am sitting, although I'm trying to get a little exercise daily. Emphasis That's on good. little. Yeah, I got you. So, Kelvin, I've seen your mm-hmm. cup a couple of times because we are yeah. looking at each other. Um, That's right. Across the miles. Uh, what is in your cup? Thermos. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, That's the thermos of did- choice. Vessel of choice. I did pour into uh, my uh, my cup here some leftover Atomic Coffee Roasters uh, coffee from back in what was that? Was that the DL fees episode? Maybe back in was that sixty two? Is that when we used? I don't even know when we used the Atomic Coffee, but I have some leftover. So here it is. Here, what's in what's in your cup? So I'm drinking a decaffeinated French roast. Um, yes. And uh, it's it's good. It's strong, but it's good. No flavor today. You'll be pleased mm-hmm. to know. Just uh, just the know, coffee. Just the coffee. A little creamer, a little sweetener, but nothing too crazy. Um, mm-hmm. It's good. I think the of note though is my mug. So mm-hmm. I have this nice ceramic mug with a with a top on it uh, from uh, Cafe Du Monde in uh, oh. New Orleans, and this was a gift from uh, the lovely and talented Julie Uranus. 
uh, mm-hmm. vice president from UPSIA. Uh, I co-facilitated a workshop with Sasha Thackerberry and, and Jason Ruckert um, at the last uh, UPSIA Solar Conference in New Orleans. And this was a nice thank you from Julie and UPSIA. And I've been using it regularly since I've been kind of sequestered here in Chateau Cavanaugh. That's that's cool. Do you have some beignets to go with that? Just a picture on the side, um, mm-hmm. which looks lovely. Uh, but no, mm-hmm. haven't had one. Since I've been back. And then the ironic oh. thing is that I didn't even have one when I was there. Because um, oh. how could you go to New Orleans and not have a beignet? But um, I didn't because I actually got the flu. <laughs> this is all pre-coronavirus, but I got oh, the flu. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. You, you went and went out of town and came back with the flu. That's not yeah, good. I felt bad. But Literally. I feel good now. That's good. Yeah. Well, keep keep feeling good. As a, a colleague of ours, who if I named her, you would know her, uh, said on a, a state conference call not long ago, the new the new phrase should be, "Stay negative." <laughs> Stay negative. I like that. That's very good. <laughs> I might have a few guesses. Who might have said that? That's that's pretty good. But it was funny. It yeah. was funny. I, I liked it. <laughs> so uh, I guess maybe we should say that uh, today uh, we are uh, continuing on with our. Second episode of the month being wrapped around uh, an interview. And so while we will mention uh, our ongoing COVID-19 stuff, as long as that's ongoing, it'll be the top of the month where we focus in on that. But I think that today's um, already in the can interview is really relevant uh, to our COVID-19 uh, response because we're going to speak with a guest about practical strategies faculty can take in humanizing the online teaching and learning process. Now that's good. That's a good thing to do anytime, even for, you know, real online courses that are professionally designed and supported. But, you know, you, I keep thinking there's, it's almost an audible outcry in the community for humanizing amidst all of the emergency remote teaching. Yeah, it's true. And then of course you spoke to, uh, the expert in that, um, Dr. Michelle Pekansky Brock. Um, you spoke to her during the last uh, OLC Accelerate uh, meeting that was in uh, the fall of 2019. Yeah. And in fact, we made reference to Michelle in the last episode, um, uh, episode 63, when we were talking about the kind of field report from uh, from remote teaching and learning due to the coronavirus and, and the importance of a humanizing approach to mm-hmm. online education. And, uh, and as you say... Um, whether you were prescient or we were lucky to to get Michelle to do that interview, um, and maybe because of our backlog, uh, we mm-hmm. were the universe has conspired to make sure it came out at an appropriate time. Um, but yeah, she's she's awesome. Maybe maybe I should do her her abbreviated bio. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, please. Before we get into the interview, so for those of you who don't know Michelle, uh, Dr. Michelle Pekansky Brock, better known perhaps by her internet handle Brokansky is a faculty mentor with the California Virtual Campus Online Education Initiative, or CVC-OEI, Online Network of Educators, at one. That's like uh, at sign O-N-E. She is highly regarded as a thought leader in the field of online education. She writes thoughtfully. She has received awards and is just generally a person who walks the talk. Uh, And we can link to her full and very impressive bio in the show notes. Uh, We were very fortunate to have Michelle come and speak at a conference Mm -hmm. we recently hosted on campus for people around the state who are responsible for training faculty to teach online. I had the honor of uh, introducing her. 
and um, it, her her keynote was just right on the money. Uh, it was exactly mm-hmm. what I think that audience needed to hear. So you know we're we're big fans, and, uh, mm-hmm. and as mm-hmm. you said, I think this interview comes at a particularly auspicious time. Yeah, I, I agree with all that, and um, and we don't always plug this, but uh, you can find our show notes at on the web at, on the web at uh, topcast.online.ucf.edu. And uh, you should. You should go check out um, info about Michelle and some of the other things that we talk about uh, uh, during the interview. We're going to have links to uh, there as well. So it'll be resource rich, I, I suspect. So um, maybe with that intro and no further ado through mm-hmm. the wonders of podcast time travel, here is your interview with Dr. Michelle bakansky Brock. So glad to have you here on TopCast. Michelle, welcome. Thank you so much, Kelvin. So we were talking uh, for just a few minutes before I hit record about a, um, a central theme or a trajectory in your work over the years of humanizing mm-hmm. online education. Do you mind if I just ask, what pulled you into that direction? That's a really good question. I'm glad you you started with that question um, because it takes me back to when I actually was teaching online myself. When I started teaching online around 2003, 2004, I was uh, teaching full-time at a a community college in California and started teaching online and uh, really felt very disconnected from my students, which Mm -hmm. was important to me in the classroom. Um, And I... um, I started experimenting a lot with different tools and I was very intrigued with using voice and I was at that time, you know, mixing uh, MP3s and using Audacity and started doing just announcements that I'd type up and then I'd speak them in audio and then I noticed students reaching out like saying, oh, it sounds like you have a cold, are you feeling okay? And just these really interesting connections and um, then started using asynchronous tools like VoiceThread that enabled Mm -hmm. conversations between me and my students and between my students and uh, collecting data, surveys at the end of the term. I remember one student saying, I recognized a student in our class when I was at my son's Taekwondo class just because of the sound of her voice wow. and those connections that huh. those human connections that when we any one of us thinks back to college you yeah. know it's it's those human connections that make us feel welcome make us feel included and help us understand that we really can achieve that we you know to believe in ourselves mm-hmm. and I wanted that for online um and over the years, just kind of kept prodding at it, but looked at a lot of the work around social presence, which mm-hmm, obviously mm-hmm. supports all of that. Yeah. Um, but it really, for me, and I think for many, many, many of my colleagues in California, looking at the way that humanized online teaching supports students from marginalized groups, mm-hmm. which is so important, particularly mm-hmm. in the California Community College system, where 67% of our students identify as an ethnic, ethnic minority. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problems that we see with success, um, the equity gaps that exist face-to-face are accentuated, as we know, in mm-hmm. online courses. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not something we should hide. It's something mm-hmm. that we need to really target mm-hmm. because online courses are so important for mm-hmm. our students who don't have the privilege to be on campus all the time. Right. 
So that's where we're really focused now um, in my role in the California Community College system is uh, really trying to understand, um, really trying to measure. Uh, we have a lot of anecdotal evidence about humanizing, but now we're actually, we have a grant and we're looking at the impact of humanized instruction on online STEM courses, which hmm. I think is going to be fascinating um, be over the next two and a half years. We have an intersegmental team looking at that. So lots of interesting things, I think, that will be coming in the future. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, we need to follow back up with you uh, down the road on that work. We'd really be interested to hear how that plays out. Um, I thought... You know, I might ask, given your, your deep and long uh, work in this area, for our uh, combined audience of online learning leaders, instructional designers, and online and blended teaching faculty, I wondered from your experience, what advice would you, would you give um, for better humanizing uh, online education at whatever level those audiences are connecting, whether it's, to, you know, kind of shaping an initiative or mm -hmm. designing courses or teaching the courses or uh, or supporting the teaching of the courses yeah. or whatever? So I think that where we see the most success is when, or I should say the greatest adoption of mm. humanizing practices is when um, anyone at the institution really understands intrinsically the where the, the carrot is. Mm. Um, and when like, looping back to the equity gaps mm -hmm. in um, online teaching, online education, online courses, I should say, mm -hmm. that is both our carrot and our stick. Um, I think you know, it's clear when we look at when we disaggregate success data that we have a problem. And if we want to improve that, which I hope intrinsically we as humans see the importance um, of this as a social mm -hmm. justice issue, really. Right. Uh, that's what propels us. And uh, so I think that what I found very helpful in con having conversations with educators is to um, think about the paradigm of higher education that we've been in for the past many, many decades, which is really focused on equality. Oftentimes, uh, when we enter conversations about equity, you know, I'll hear faculty say, oh, I treat all my students the same. Mm -hmm. And I think that fundamentally, that's that's a problem mm -hmm. because when we treat all of our students the same, when we try to be fair yeah. around being equal, it's yeah. what we're doing is we're saying that all of our students are the same mm -hmm. and all of our students are not the same. All of, right. We have very diverse needs within mm -hmm. our student groups. And so for that reason, we, we need to make that paradigm shift from equality to equity. And equity is really about being sure that every student has access to what they need to succeed. Mm -hmm. And many of our students need that connection to a human. They need to know there's someone on the other side of the screen that cares about their learning, mm -hmm. that is there for them, and that will support them. Mm -hmm. And in online courses, if that's not intentionally constructed, mm -hmm. then it's very, as we know, very isolating, and mm -hmm. more students will not log in again if they don't feel that kind of, um, you know, that that sense that there's someone at the other side that cares. Mm. No, it's, that's that's such an important distinction, the uh, equality versus equity mindset. That's that's ponderable, right? I remember um, reading a, an anecdote once that I've used in a different context. It's like a, a doctor's waiting room, you know, filled with uh, patients, and uh, the nurse walks out, 
you know, okay, there's a person with a broken arm, there's a person with a burn, there's a person with, a, and the nurse walks out and says, okay, today we're handing out Pepto-Bismol, mm-hmm. so everybody has the same, yes. <laughs> the same treatment. I've heard they of that with a Band-Aid, yeah, yeah, right. same kind of thing. They don't yeah. all have the same <laughs> needs. Yeah, and I think the other important part of that, and this is getting even harder work, is the, the self-work that comes along with that, because so many educators in higher education uh, come into this conversation through a very privileged lens, mm-hmm. right? Acknowledging right. that I'm white, yeah. um, I'm a cisgender woman, mm-hmm. I'm middle class, I'm, I have an abled body and all yeah, of those things. Right, right, and right. I mean, that's something that I continue to think about every single day yeah. and try to understand. So acknowledging that while I, I, I don't, I'm not an expert at this, sure. I'm learning, um, yeah understanding what my own racial identity means uh-huh. and the privileges that it affords to me. And mm-hmm. by not saying that I, I can ever understand the realities of other people, but stepping into that struggle and trying to make that part of what I do every day is something that I'm, I, I try very hard to commit to. Yeah, that's awesome. I, th- I think that's a good reminder. So how does that shift in paradigm mindset from equality to equity what strategies does that give rise to uh, for our listeners to uh, pursue adopting? Yeah, so I do have some concrete strategies that I just want to talk about briefly. Um, and I think that these strategies will help to illuminate what I mean when I say that humanized online teaching is really the connective tissue hmm. that supports the success of marginalized students. Um, and the first practice that we've seen a lot of interest in from it's it, it, in faculty that kind of turn their head and go, oh, that sounds interesting, hmm. which is important, is the idea of a liquid syllabus. A so, liquid syllabus. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, when we look at rubrics around course quality, we see like, oh, pre-core, pre-course contact is important. Mm-hmm. And that's very true, but we really want to untangle like, okay, well, how can we do that better? How can mm-hmm. we humanize pre-course contact? And so many of our students today are using their phones for, you know, getting those pre-course contact if it's an email message. Mm -hmm. And so what can we do? So what we imagine, you know, what if in that email on a phone, a student were to simply have the option to click and open a fully public Mm -hmm. liquid syllabus Mm -hmm. that's designed with a website tool, not like a PDF or Mm -hmm. not locked inside a learning management system. Because if you're designing with the web in mind, you're actually creating content that's responsive to a phone, right? Right, right. And then they can scroll and Mm -hmm. have direct access to really important information. But um, most importantly, we think is at the very top embedding a friendly brief welcome video from mm-hmm. an instructor. Mm-hmm. So the very first thing from the very first tap the student is seeing mm-hmm. is that's my instructor. They can see, they can hear. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, accessible yeah, also right. everything. The, yeah. the tool itself has to be accessible, which is important in making those decisions. Uh, we're actually encouraging faculty to dabble with Google Sites mm-hmm. um, with some, some key strategies to design um, for accessibility. But having that 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 warm invita- invitation, mm-hmm. and then being sure that everything in that liquid syllabus is written in a, we like to use the phrase hopeful language mm-hmm. instead of instead of like you're not going to do this and don't do this and you know avoid the red text. Right. It's more about ensuring that when the students look at the language, mm-hmm. 
they not only feel included, but they can see themselves succeeding in it. And right. so that's the first strategy. Uh-huh. Um, and then the second strategy is when they actually get into the course. Um, we like to really encourage students to have the opportunity to complete a survey, a, like a getting to know you survey in the mm-hmm. first week that they get points for. Mm-hmm. So they're earning points and mm-hmm. they get you know, that mm-hmm. confidence of actually you know, do, doing something right away, immediate. And that survey uh, goes from the student to the instructor. It's not anonymous, so the, student, the mm-hmm. instructor mm-hmm. does know who, who fills those surveys mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. But it provides the instructor with really important information, of course, which can be customized. But some of the questions could be, you know, like, um, what's your preferred first name? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can you give me any tips for pronouncing it? Uh-huh. What's your preferred gender uh, mm-hmm. pronouns? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. My two favorite questions, the first one is, in one word, tell me how you're feeling about this course. Mm. And then the second question is, share one thing that you think might interfere with your success in this course. And those two last questions lead into the next practice that um, we're starting to call adaptive teaching. Okay. We get a lot of pushback from faculty in talking about humanizing, you know, because they, they say, how can I be, how can I bring my human presence and, and, you know, really be warm and caring for all my students? So there's mm. things that we can do across you know, at the one-to-many level, like the liquid syllabus, like a brief humanized videos, which yeah, yeah. Um, is a big part of, of yeah. it, as I said, with the liquid syllabus. But so I think about, um, I, I try to get faculty to think about, if you walk out into a garden and you have a limited amount of water, so you've got a jug full of water, and you're, you've got all these plants mm-hmm. or all these flowers, you're not gonna go up to every single flower and give that flower the same amount of water. Mm-hmm. You're gonna take a step back and think, okay, which ones need it the most? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we look at our online courses and we know that, I mean, some students are going to succeed and some students need more support. And particularly in that, that first week when you identify the students who say that they're feeling nervous or that they're feeling anxious, um, or when you look at what might impede their success, you'll find students who will say, I'm pregnant and I'm gonna deliver mid-semester, mm-hmm. or you know, I'm working full-time and I, um, I have three kids, oh, and my mom's on hospice, and I mean, all these commitments that help you understand their stories mm-hmm. and help you see your students for more than just names on a screen, but yeah. what they're bringing to the table. Um, it helps you to understand who needs that human touch from you the most. And so that's where you, that's where you, you might record a, actually a personal video, mm-hmm. or if you're going to send an email, you know, put the student's name in yeah. the email and say, checking in on you. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you keep that data available throughout mm-hmm. the course, uh, we use canvas in our system and there's a simple way to turn on a notes column in the Canvas grades area. Mm-hmm. And if you were to plug in those yeah. notes there, and as the course continues, like if you're at week 12 and that, that one student all of a sudden is no longer engaging like she had, mm-hmm. you might reference the notes section mm-hmm. and reach out to her individually and say, hey, I remember that you had this going on. How are yeah. things going? I'm just thinking about you. And those are the things that really matter. Those are the things that will pull students back in uh, we see lots of anecdotal evidence from folks who have taken, we have a four-week humanizing course that we offer in the California Community College system, and I, 
lots of people who say, oh, I just got an email from a student who said they were going to drop until they saw my video. You know, it, it really does pull some students back in. And I think, sadly, a lot of them, it does that because they're just, they don't expect it. They don't often get yeah. that high touch in online courses. Yeah. So um, those are, I, I think, my three strategies. I have a lot more, but yeah, liquid syllabus, the, the getting to know you survey, and then using your adapt, adapting your teaching to be sure that your, your high-touch interaction supports the students who benefit the most. Those are awesome. That is so good. Clearly, you've thought about this a lot over the, the years and have refined some things. And um, I didn't ask you this beforehand, so I'm putting you on the spot about this a little bit. I know that in the past, you mentioned your systems humanizing course. I know that you've been involved in other kind of open courses around the humanizing topic. Is, is there anything still out there that folks could avail themselves of? So glad you asked. Actually, um, one of the very wonderful things about the, the team that I'm working on, CVC OEI in the California Community College System, uh, which, by the way, can I just say that we, we received the Excellence in Faculty Development Award at OLC Innovate, uh, OLC Accelerate this year. So very, very proud and excited of our yes. team. Um, we, we offer many professional development courses that are at a low cost, and mm -hmm. then we have some of those prepared for adoption. Hmm. So the humanizing course is actually accessible in the Canvas Commons publicly and oh, can awesome. be adopted yeah. and adapted. It's mm -hmm. shared with a CC BY, a Creative Commons Attribution License. Great. So just follow the attribution guidelines, um, and it can be adopted and facilitated at any institution. How wonderful. That's a, that's a gift. Uh, to the community. Uh, thank you and your colleagues for that. We'll make a, sure that we put uh, in the episode show notes uh, a link uh, to that and, and related uh, materials. Thank you so much. We've got to have you back on TopCast if you're willing to uh, just to follow up. There's so much more that we could talk about uh, both in the follow-up to the um, uh, to the STEM work that you were talking about and, and others. So this is such important work that you and your colleagues do. Thank you so much for sharing it, and thanks for being on TopCast. Thank you so much, Calvin, for all you do, too. So, Kelvin, that was your interview with Michelle Pekansky-Brock. I enjoyed listening to her. I think she's full of uh, wisdom and practical mm -hmm. tips. And mm -hmm. sort of speaking of which, um, she had um, three specific tips that she talked mm -hmm. to you about. I don't know. Do you want yeah. to kind of summarize those? I thought those were b worth repeating for emphasis. Yeah. And, um, and I know the first one, uh, the, the idea of promoting a so-called liquid syllabus, which I think is a very interesting term. Um, I think that's kind of uh, something that she's used that phrase before. And there's definitely stuff that you can find online about that little, little YouTube videos and tip sheets and stuff on her website and elsewhere we'll find some some good versions of that and stick it uh stick it on um at one i think has uh some google site stuff uh to get you started with making a so-called liquid syllabus so that idea of kind of dynamic and responsive and online and not locked up in a formal document kind of a way uh that's uh her first practical tip and then that idea of that getting to know you survey to really get some good intel from students with an eye toward seeing them as individuals, your students, and that which leads you to the third thing, which is that what she calls adaptive teaching, where you don't just teach to the, to the room, so to speak, uh, to the cohort, but uh, actually 
teach individuals. And if somebody's having difficulty, you kind of remind yourself, well, what's going on with it? Who are they again specifically? What are, what's going on in their life? And you could actually reach out. I thought those were really good practical tips. Yeah, and that was her point of, of equality versus equity. Yeah. And, um, you know, the idea of getting to know you survey, she also brought that in with the idea of kind of keeping notes on your students. And, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like, if you hadn't heard from somebody in a while, check in and say, hey, I remember you told me your grandmother was sick. Mm-hmm, Is everything okay? Mm-hmm. I noticed you haven't been d- involved in the discussion board. I mean, can you imagine having a professor reach yeah. out to you and say those kinds of things? I, uh, it certainly wasn't my experience in, <laughs> in higher ed, but I, I think what a, what a huge difference that would make for somebody who's maybe kind of on the razor's edge of, Am I going to continue or not? Yeah, I, I like to think so, especially um, especially in the uh, community college setting, open access institutions, especially where that can make a difference. And, and to her point, um, with where there are some um, equity differentials um, with disadvantaged populations, that kind of a, a scaffolding, a uh, person humanizing scaffolding could really make a difference. I'll say that I think this is true. Uh, our colleagues, Dr. Patsy Moskal and Dr. Chuck Jubin, I think historically in their evaluation work at UCF, we haven't seen as much of those kinds of gaps at UCF as a lot of places report in the literature, but I still think they're really wonderful practices. I aspire to that when I am teaching online, but you know, I think uh, Michelle has it down to a, a science, I think. Yeah, um, I, I I like to think I'm a pretty good online teacher, but um, I don't think so after <laughs> listening to her. And then also, I mean, I had the advantage of watching her keynote here where she showed some mm-hmm. videos of some practices that faculty have done, these opening videos that they do where mm-hmm, they kind of mm-hmm. introduce the course and themselves and mm-hmm. give a little history of their lives and why this subject is so important. And I mean, right. it, they're, they're just phenomenal. Um, yeah. and, and the ability that modern learning management systems have. So we use Canvas, but I'm sure Mm -hmm. they all do this. You can so quickly just record a little video um, Mm -hmm. and and just be present in the course or provide video uh, feedback on an assignment. There's there's a huge difference in seeing somebody's face, hearing their voice as they talk to you about, here, you did this well, and I think you could have improved in this part of your paper or whatever, as opposed Mm -hmm. to just reading some kind of random notes that might be, um, you know, in a track changes or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with all that. I, I, I always have to counterbalance that in my head so quickly though, with, uh, accessibility concerns and, and just being mindful of, um, it's not so the individual feedback level, as long as you're really on it, then that's probably not as much of an issue, right? Cause if I know that student Tom doesn't have any, any, uh, major, um, accommodation requirements or accessibility difficulties, then fine. But if, if I know that he does, then I need to tailor accordingly, um, which is a, a good thing. I, I thought just her, her survey questions were brilliant. Those couple of one word things. Yeah. How are you feeling about this course? Yeah. One thing that could interfere with your success. That's just elegant. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, as you said, elegant. It's very efficient. I think you can get mm-hmm. a lot of information in a very yeah. short amount of time. That can be really useful later. You know, I think about what we do for UCF Online and success coaching. It, we have the coaches do an awful lot of that kind of work where we talk to them about why are you going back to school? What's your study plan? 
Uh, and how can how can um, you set up a, you know an environment and a and a program that's going to allow you to be successful? And then they they remember that they keep notes on that. And mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. later, when somebody's struggling, maybe three classes later. So this is what Michelle's talking about is stuff within a class mostly. But say three classes later in a program, uh, somebody is uh, hasn't registered for courses yet. Uh, the success coach will reach out and be like, "Hey, is everything okay?" and they might be struggling. It's like, hey, remember, you're doing this for your daughter. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I need to remember why I'm doing this and not get caught up in the day-to-day and keep your eye on sort of on the long-term prize. Uh, I, yeah. All of that, I think, is, is, is just phenomenal. Yeah, I, I, totally, I totally agree. Um, I know that you were thinking, too, about making a, a little plug about something that we're doing here at, uh, at a larger scale to try to be mindful of... of hearing and attending to that student voice? Yeah, um, I did want to uh, just mention the fact that, um, that we're in the process right now of, of collecting data in a student survey uh, to, to see student impacts uh, due to the, the COVID-19 coronavirus. Um, everybody is remote working, remote learning, remote teaching, and students in particular uh, have, been, have felt the brunt of this because so many of them have lost jobs, they um, have been completely disrupted. Our students were told during spring break not to come back and um, uh, in many cases are without resources like computers and textbooks and other kinds of materials. Uh, their final art projects or portfolios, senior design projects in, in computer science. So we, we have prepared a survey and we've sent it out to, um, to all students to, to ask them a couple of questions about just how they're adjusting to this. And there's a couple of, you know, Likert scale questions and a couple of free response. And then the free response, oh my gosh, there's, it'll be a while before we can dig mm-hmm. through that. Uh, Dr. Patsy Moskal is coordinating all that. And she said, if, if anybody wants a dissertation, there's a dissertation's worth of data in there because somebody's going to have to dig through mm-hmm. that and try to come up mm-hmm. with themes and things. But so far, the response has been pretty enormous. Within in less than a week, we've had 6,600 responses from students, which is, is higher than our typical student response to surveys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There may be some selection bias because the students who are probably most affected might be most motivated to respond. Mm-hmm. But it, early re- results, and we're still collecting data, but you know all the things you might expect. that you know There's a lot of digital divide sort of issues, and mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. didn't have a webcam because they didn't know they were going to have to take a proctored test uh, when they signed mm-hmm. up for this course last fall. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and you name it, everything in the middle. But it, it underscores the anxieties that students are going through right now outside of the classroom and underscores the importance of... Uh, faculty having sort of a humanized mindset in dealing with yeah. fac- with uh, mm-hmm. with students who are going through all these issues in their lives. Yeah, well said. Um, well, shall I perhaps try to put a button on it? Please I know do. we're we're running. Um, I haven't run out of my coffee yet. So I could <laughs> stay here for another hour or so talking to you, but um, but I think we've run out of uh, our listeners' attention spans probably. <laughs> So I guess we should um, try to try to land the plane. So, as you say, emphasizing the human and the humane, we might say, within our technology-mediated learning environments is a good idea at any time. But as so many more faculty and students engage with ad hoc remote teaching and remote learning due to COVID-19, prioritizing concepts like empathy and equity are all the more 
important. And again, plug, go look at the show notes. There's some rich resources there um, for yourself and your colleagues to make use of in doing just that. Yeah. How's that? If you're a faculty member, keep in mind that uh, every one of your students has a unique idiosyncratic set of circumstances that they are yep. dealing with right now. And um, yep. just be human. Just be human. You know, it's okay yep. if rigor lags behind the emphasis on humanity. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I hope all of our faculty agree as well. They don't all agree, Tom. They don't all agree. I've had some conversations. (laughs) But most do, I think. Most do. Yes, yes. Yes. All right. So thank you to Michelle and thank you, Kelvin, for the interview. Uh Um, So until next time for TopCast, I'm Tom. I'm Kelvin. See ya. See ya.